Ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalker Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalker Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalker fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom who speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club and get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. And I do not do this alone. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, how was your weekend, sir? Can I get a round of applause for my boy, the young Yank, Weston McKenney? Let's go. He's arrived. He's here. We've been talking it up. It's finally happened. The man's on the board. He's on the score sheet. I'm excellent. How are you, Richard? I'm fantastic. He scored in back-to-back games. I'm excellent as well. I never thought this day would come, but I'm happy it happened in back-to-back games. Put some respect on his name. Mm, Weston McKinney. Yes, sir. Mr. Dallas, Texas. Yeah, things couldn't have been better for us. Uh, you know, two important games this past week and two important results for us. Um, two wins. Two wins courtesy of Mr. McKinney. Uh yeah, it's uh, I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty good to be back saying victory. Well, not Sunday anymore, but victory week. Uh, so yeah, it's all good here, huh? Um, and then fortunately for us, we finally get on the win streak here, and we get this whole uh, United Nations or whatever United League or Nations League uh international break. Lucky us, huh? Yeah, I don't like that at all. Keep the momentum going. These international breaks are killing me, man. Uh, yeah, I, 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 we'll see what happens with this, but uh, hopefully, it's a desk we can get to keep the boys going, the momentum going once uh, once they start back up against uh, Werder Bremen here in a couple weeks. Um, well, before we get into the the meat of the podcast, let's get into some uh, some news that came up. Um, first, out of NBC Four Nashville, uh, some breaking news. <laughs> Marcus the Vine- one-stop shop for all of your soccer information, <laughs> by the way. NBC Nashville, apparently. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's uh, Stuttgart has hired former Schalke and Augsburg coach Marcus Weinziel to take over Typhoon Korkut, who was fired on Sunday. The club says the 43-year-old Weinziel agreed to a, a deal through June 2020 and will take charge of his first training session of Wednesday, which is today, or tomorrow, actually. So... Yeah, that happened. Mr. Weinziel, um, the bane of all of Schalke's existence, has joined Stuttgart. How do we feel about that, Jack? Well, that's the Naldo effect, isn't it? It is. It yeah, is. Naldo tells him to go get a job, and what does Weinziel do? He goes and finds himself a job. Let me tell you something. If you are uh, out of work, seeking employment, but you know maybe a little bit down on yourself, needing some motivation, just publicly criticize Naldo on TV for his <laughs> defensive performances. <laughs> And uh, he'll tell you to go get a job, and you will. He'll speak it into existence. So, um, yeah, Vinesil back in the Bundesliga, Typhon Korkut, not lasting once again. Um, I don't know. I don't really feel any way about it particularly. Um, Vinesil, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, he, he did a good job prior to taking over Schalke, so he's definitely shown his 
uh, Bundesliga credentials in the past. Uh, so I, hopefully his experience with Stuttgart is closer to his, you know, his previous managerial experiences and not what happened at Schalke. But, um, you know, I wish him the best. Yeah. And it's hopefully it's, uh, not, not his best against us. Uh, but yeah, it's a interesting pickup. It was, he was bound to get another position. Yeah. The Schalke stint didn't go too well, but he had, he, he built himself a good reputation while at Augsburg. So, um, it was about time that he was eventually going to get another crack and let's see what he does. Um, Stuttgart is a bigger club than Augsburg, so um, it couldn't really take the pressure at Schalke. Let's see what he does at Stuttgart. I mean, to be fair, the Schalke job doesn't go well for most people that end up taking it. So <laughs> I don't know if it's like a specific mindset thing necessarily, but uh, yeah. We'll find out here, I guess, shortly, huh? For sure. All right. Well, we went NBC4 Nashville for the first bit of news. I guess we're going to go to the Tampa Bay Times for the next bit of news. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and what we get from Tampa Bay Times is that Mark Uth and Sebastian Rudy have been called up by the Manshaft. Uh, despite their lackluster form uh, for the for the Royal Blues, they still get a call up to uh, Joachim Love's club. Um, good for us, bad for us. What do you think? Tampa Bay Times just locked into all things the <laughs> Manshaft. Apparently, um, big German crowd down there. <laughs> I don't know if I trust any of these reports. I don't know where retirement. You're <laughs> um yeah uh happy for for mark Ood. it's been quite a while from what i understand uh since the last time he was involved in uh the german national team picture uh and you know hopefully he gets some playing time and scores a goal because that would do wonders for his confidence because he's obviously struggled early on uh in his time here at Schalke. and that's not you know entirely his fault i think the team obviously has been performing pretty poorly and hasn't been providing him with the best service but yeah, you know, maybe a quick change of scenery. Um, yeah, it could do him good. Who knows? Uh, you know, international breaks, I don't have a problem with them. You're just hoping for, you know, no injuries, obviously, every time yeah, yeah. international break comes. But, um, yeah, and then, you know, Sebastian Rudy getting called up. Uh, it seems that, like, both of these call-ups are somewhat, like, form-proof, right? Because I don't think either yeah. of them have been playing particularly well, but they got called up anyway, so that's interesting. But, uh, yeah, glad for both of them. Good stuff. Good to see them in the mix. Maybe they'll actually find some form while with the with the man chef and get back some of their confidence that they're they've been missing as of late. So hey, it maybe could do some some good for these guys. Exactly. And by the way, uh, NBC for Nashville or Tampa Bay Times, if you want to reach out to Jack and I for an uh, interview, we are more than willing to do so. Just let us know. Yeah. By the way, we're being sponsored by small market news organizations. That's our new thing. So that's why we're featured. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> next, we'll have something from San Antonio. And uh, maybe Omaha, Nebraska the following week. We'll see. Actually, this next bit of news comes out of the Bundesliga.com. Sorry, it's a little bit bigger bigger market. Um, I don't know. It doesn't sound too legit, this one, this Bundesliga.com. <laughs> yeah, I'm I never heard of it. I never heard of it. Um, so this is a little bit older news, but uh, it's official. I'm sure it's all because of our listeners here. Um, Schalke have surpassed Dortmund as the second most followed team in the Bundesliga according to club memberships. Uh, Dortmund has 154,000, while Schalke are 156,000 plus. So we are officially second, prob- probably the best team either way. <sighs> Seems like quite a selective statistic to, pr- to prove the most followed team, but uh, I'll take it any way I can, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Hey, any way to get, a- get one over on our rural rivals, right? Hey, Dortmund's top of the table right now, man. Got to respect that. And I believe I said that Dort- uh, Dortmund, uh, Bayern were ripe for the fall this year, and we're only seven points off of Bayern. 
Yeah, you also mm-hmm. said we were going to win the league in 15, so it's a little slow your roll there a little bit, I buddy. did say that, too. That's <laughs> true. That's very true. Well, <laughs> on a quick run down the show before it collapses, um, we're going to talk real briefly on the Champions League and as well the Dor- Dusseldorf match. Jack, uh, what do you say? Let's take it away. Uh, we can take it away, but I want to say one of the things since we're talking about Dorman real quick. Um, I would just like some credit for uh, talking up Jakob Brun Larson preseason on the Kings of Europe pod with Critty Smith. Boy's been on fire. Anyway, let's take it away. Alright, so the first game of the, the, the two from this past week um, was actually a Champions League matchup on Wednesday against Lokomotiv Moscow against some old friends, Benedict Hovides, former captain, and Jefferson Farfan, a, a legend of a player from Schalke. Um, going into this one, Jack, uh, it was never going to be easy playing in Moscow, was it? You know, the travel's one thing, and, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's not an ideal away match for us, definitely. Well, if you look at the lineup that Schalke came out with, um, it was an interesting one. Uh, we can't. Oh, Schalke came out with a four-two-three-one. Um, Kalajiri, Salif Sane, Naldo back in the lineup, and Mendo uh, in the back four with the two pivot uh, midfielders, if you will, Weston McKinney and Sebastian Rudy, and then led by front three. Actually, McKinney was up in the front three. Mescaro was back in the back. But Mbolo and Uth were also in the, in the attacking midfield with one of Plianca leading the way, which I don't know if that's right or not, but that's what this app says. Um, at least the players that were playing, it was uh, interesting to see Mascarell on the pitch with these guys. Uh, he hasn't had much pitch time up till this point, but um, he didn't do too bad, did he? Yeah, good to see him finally getting into the mix. Um, another one of our summer signings who had uh, not really featured up to this point. I think part of that was injury, at least initially. Um, I think he picked something up in training camp. I could be wrong about that, though. But, um, yeah, Rudy and Mascarell, it's definitely uh, a fresh pairing for us. Indeed it was. And uh, this game was um, is a, a very much a chess match, I would say. Um, there really wasn't too much to in the first like quarter hour of the match. It wasn't until maybe the 26th minute or so when um, Baranov uh, had a great shot from the top of the box and went through some players. Luckily, it was saved brilliantly by Fairman, who got down quickly, uh, denying the Russians from scoring a goal there, and, it, and he palmed it away wide to keep away from any traffic there. But uh, that very well could have been the first goal for, for the Russians, couldn't it, Jack? Uh, easily, easily so. And uh, you're going to have some fun reading these names. During uh, talking about the highlights of this one, this is gonna this is always a fun team sheet when you play uh, face a Russian team. Yagaryu <laughs> Paruski. Anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, like you said, this game had a lot of fun names, and and the, it was certainly a chess match whatsoever. But uh, Mr. Naldo seemed to be everywhere. Seemed to be rejuvenated from the time off, and he was back to his the ways that we remember him from last year. Uh, in the 40th minute, Naldo blocked the shot. Uh, that a locomotive player uh, tried to try to get on goal. Um, luckily, he he was there because a uh, fireman uh, wasn't sure if a fireman was going to be able to get that. But Naldo it seemed to have several big blocks in this game. Jack um, again becoming the the menace to the offense, the opposing opposition, if you will, uh, that he was last year. He struggled in the beginning of the part of the season, but it seems that this little break he's had that helped him 
get back some of that energy. Yeah, they they intentionally sat him for those couple matches prior to this one. Um, you know, presumably with the express purpose of you know getting him a little bit of rest. Uh, he was in the lineup week in week out for us last season, and that worked really well. But obviously, you can't um, hold it against him if maybe he needs to be rotated a little bit more this season. He is quite. Yeah, quite up there in years, uh, and uh, and that we talked about this last week, but this is potentially one of the benefits of the change in system, right? This four-two-three-one, or you know, whenever Tedesco is going from a back four to um, from a back three, uh, you know, we, we don't have a ton of depth at that center back position, and so uh, you know, playing with just the two center backs with you know a right and left back as opposed to you know the three center backs, and you know, it, it allows for some rotation. At least at least one of those guys can can sit um, every match and, and, you know, get a breather and, you know, rest up a little bit. Um, Stan Bully will be coming back soon as well. I, I saw that he was in training this he, week. He and Ochipka. Yeah. Yep, and Ochipka as well. Both those guys, uh, both in training for the first time in quite a while. So hopefully they will be back with us soon, and that's something going to help that as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I look forward to seeing those guys back on the pitch and, Hopefully, it'll help make this team even better uh, with those two guys, uh, Chipka Stallworth on the left side, and Sambuli is just so versatile, and he can you know, help out in the defense or play in the midfield and, and aid in that transition game. Um, this game was begging for a goal. It went to halftime 0-0. Game progressed, and it continued being 0-0. And honestly, I, don't, I feel our best opportunity, and I say this with an asterisk, uh, didn't come really until like the 85th minute or so when Mark Uth uh, had a wonderful opportunity to get the game winner, just missed it wide. But that was, I mean, that's as, up to that point, that was as close as Shocker were getting it at the goal, weren't it? wasn't it? Yeah, had had I think close to maybe like fifteen shots or so, but you know, not a not a ton of those on target. Same story for for Moscow. It was pretty pretty even possession, pretty even in terms of the opportunities that were created. But as you said, you know, not not a not a whole lot going on, and very much kind of. Tighten back and forth for the majority of this one. So I would have loved to see Marku pick up that goal. Um, that would have been huge for him. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't to be, obviously. But uh, the, the way we ended up scoring was arguably better, at least from the American perspective. Yeah, just three minutes later, um, last year's set pieces, Jack, is what we had our, made our bread and, bread and butter with uh, getting goals on either corner kicks or free kicks. Uh, and in the 80, what was it, 88th minute, 89th minute, um, corner Plianka takes a corner kick. The announcers are kind of, you know, leading up to this saying, you know, hey, Shaka have scored many goals in the set pieces. Uh, ball goes into the box. You're thinking Naldo's going to get it, but no, our boy Weston McKinney out jumps everyone, gets a header on goal, first goal competitively for Shaka. Uh, game winner. One more kick. That was a freaking amazing goal to see him score. How happy he was! I mean, I was happy just because he, you know, we won and and he scored. But yeah, what an amazing mo- moment right there! Yeah, what what a way to do it! What a way to score your first club goal at a senior level, Champions League winner, walk off, off the set piece, and he absolutely destroyed a couple Moscow defenders. Yeah, it was two on guys. that one. Luckily, one of them wasn't Hervidez. Hervidez was uh just completely out of the play watching it for some reason. But um, yeah, dude, just rose up. Beat a couple players for it. Solid header, left side, and um, you could see how happy the whole team was. Not just because of you know the fact that we got a goal, but that it was him and everything. That was that was a lot of fun to watch. I was streaming the audio 
um, of this match while I was at work, uh, which is something I do quite frequently on the uh, on the weekdays. And uh, the second I heard the audio of that goal, I immediately had to actually like turn on my screen and try to watch the replay of it. And I was uh, <laughs> trying not to shout out and disrupt my coworkers because um, I was I was pretty excited about it, obviously. But uh, yeah, phenomenal moment. So happy for Weston and um, huge moment for the team. Because I mean, let's be honest, we really should have won that opener against. Porto. Not that we played particularly well, but like, you know, both the penalties that were given were highly, highly suspect. Yes. I think we probably should have gotten out of that thing with, you know, a one nil win. Um, so to go on the road immediately after that and find a way to pick up this result is uh is huge. Four points from the first two matches. That's about as good of a start as you could have expected from this team. Um, you know, particularly given uh, the form they've been in to start the season anyway. So uh, yeah, very pleased with that. So as you said, we're four points tied with Porto at the top of the table with Galatasaray just behind at three points. Uh, there'll be a nice home and away against Galatasaray, which will be the make or break for, for both these teams as far as qualification. Um, we'll get, we'll get to previews of those as, you know, as the next, as it gets closer, we're still a couple weeks away from that, but, um, certainly it's going to be, I think those two matchups are going to, define Chalco's Champions League, whether they move on or or maybe get relegated to the Europa League or even out completely. Yeah, absolutely. So before we move on to the to the Dusseldorf match, what did you make of the four two three one lineup? Uh just a just a formation in general that Tedesco came out with? Yeah, a couple couple matches in a row now that we've that we've rolled this out or some variation of that. Um I, I'm fine with it. Like I said, I, I think it's I think it, uh, it was important to kind of change things up. It hadn't been working well for us. Uh, the, the previous system, uh, whether or not it was like a three, one, four, two, or, you know, whatever you wanted to call it, there's a couple different versions of it that I think you could fairly label it. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't producing results. And, you know, we, we had talked about this a couple of times, but this was, this was a formation that we had experiments with to some extent in the preseason there's a lot of people calling for it and uh you know when you when you lose five consecutive games you'll try anything you know you got you got you got to give something a shot so uh, yeah i've been pleased that we've been rolling with this once again it hasn't necessarily um blown me away in terms of what it's done for us on the pitch but um i do think it has improved things a little bit overall and some of that could just be you know the, the team is gelling a little and we're getting over whatever bad run of form we had but right. um yeah, I was I was pleased with it. So, moving on now to the Dusseldorf match. Just when you think we know what formation they're going to come out with, you know the four two three one because we've seen it in a few games now in a row. Tedesco likes to unveil something completely different. Well, not completely different, but something different. Uh, he unveils a four one three two, um, a little a little a little niche in his little formation there. Uh, back four still the same. Calajiri, Naldo, Sane, Mendo, uh, the the number six role goes to Omar Mascarell. Uh, the front three or attacking three midfielders are uh, Swat Serdar, Nabil Bentaleb, and Weston McKinney once again. Um, and then the two strikers, we had Guido Bergseller and uh, Franco Di Santo back in the lineup. Uh, what did you think of this lineup? Uh, you know, obviously it's a slightly different formation, but there's some other players now that uh, weren't in there before. Well, I liked 10 of the starting 11 players. Um, you didn't you like Mascarell. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you forgot which one I didn't like. Um, 
Dude, yeah, this system was weird. I feel like this system is well changed a number of times throughout. I mean, I think it was like a diamond at, at some periods. Yeah. And it, yeah it, people seem to be rotating all over the pitch. Um, yeah, but it, it was a very uh, midfield heavy lineup. A lot of times we have, you know, either one striker up top with a couple players you could more, I guess, accurately define as sort of like wingers, like Kanapoyanka, whoever, um, maybe even like Mbolo off the shoulder. Or, you know, we play. I don't know. It was you know ben, to see Bentaleb and Mascarell on the pitch, and then also have McKenney and also have Serdar. That just seemed like you know a lot of sort of like what you would define as mostly like holding midfielders, right? As opposed to like you know wide midfielders, or whatever. And right. uh, that was an interesting li- uh, look to to show, but uh, obviously it worked out fairly well. I, I, I guess Tedesco's thinking is that all these midfielders can win the ball. They're pretty pretty good at winning the ball in their own certain way. Uh, McKinney's like the bulldog type. Nabil Bentele is more slick. Um, so that's Serder. We need to see more of him. He's more of an attacking minded, but Mascarell, you know, he's a noticed defensive midfielder. Um, but it, it did seem to work. Um, key notes coming into this game, uh, before we get into it, uh, there was a return of a couple players. Uh, Khan Ayan uh, returned, um, as well as Sabotka, um, two former Shaka players. One was in the youth ranks, Ayan, Ayhan, um, a Turkish player. Yeah, uh, we had there was a lot of high hopes for him as a defender, but uh, it just didn't pan out for him at Schalke. And Sabotka had a brief brief run. Yeah, Khan Ayan is kind of the uh, kind of the Tilo Carer before Tilo Carer was a thing to some extent. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I liked him. I liked him quite a bit. I thought he had some potential. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's good to see that we we got him somewhere else where he can at least get regular first team minutes. And he's he's back in the Bundesliga now, so you know worked out for him uh, with promotion and all that. So. And Dusseldorf is not that far from Gelsenkirchen. That is true. <laughs> for the for the for the Gelsenkirchen local board. derby. That's right. That's right. So this one uh, started quicker than the locomotive match for sure. Uh, Benito Raman uh, missed a chance early on, the eighth minute. Uh, he was one on one with Ralph Fairman, and Fairman came in with a huge save. That was uh, a lack of concentration by the defense there. Uh, luckily, Fairman was uh, up for the challenge and, and made a great save to prevent Dusseldorf from going up early as he pretty much always is and uh loved that the uh match commentators gave him some credit and yes. said that he probably should have gotten some national team calls by now we've talked about that a bunch on the podcast but that was nice to see him get some recognition from from somebody else as well oh yeah absolutely and it's not just like our bias but it's a, you know uh it's good to see other people recognizing this too he i mean germany are just stacked with goalkeepers it seems so it's someone's going to get left out um, but uh, Fairman seems to be that guy out, but he's obviously a talented keeper, and he's one of the better ones in the world. So um, I'm glad that other people are noticing him as well. Um, I mean, he's he's well on his way to becoming a club legend if he isn't already at this point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he exactly. was you know understudied a Manuel Neuer at some point. You know, stuck around through all of that, got his time to shine, and it's been been his show ever since. So um, yeah, I mean, every every once in a while he'll make a mistake, but what goalkeeper doesn't? I think yeah, I think he's. Uh, Excellent to have back there between the stakes game in game out. This the first half was certainly a battle of midfield. We talked about how uh, the midfield for Schalke was uh, set up with uh, guys who were trying to win the ball and stuff like that. But Dusseldorf they had uh, they had their share of midfielders as well. So this is more of a chess match between the midfield guys as opposed to the locomotive match where it was just the whole match was like fairly even. Um, it was kind of like a, a trench war if you will, with, with, with the midfielders in that first half. It wasn't much going on. Just guys canceling each other out. 
Yeah, well, they come out with like a three-five-two. So, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of midfielders or players that you kind of throw into that category on this pitch, for sure. Uh, Guido Bergstaller, uh, he did, despite all this mess, he did, you know, he did get an opportunity in this uh, late in the first half. Uh, he got a shot off that was just wide in the early, uh, late in the first half, as I said, um, and also. Um, McKinney had a nice long pass to De Santo, who, whose shot was just wide. Uh, I think short side of the net. Um, but it was it was some glimpses that you know Schalke were trying to initiate an attack as opposed to uh, just wasting away. And at least they were using the midfield now, as opposed to earlier in the season when we said they bypassed the midfield altogether, just going long ball after long ball. So at least now they're they're you know they're they're using the midfield to make that transition possession, get some shots. Um, yeah, and it's real surprising that DeSanto didn't put that one away. He's, just, he's been so clinical for us. <laughs> they said he hasn't scored since, I don't know, it was a long time. <laughs> they said his last goal was in like November last year or something. Already. Wasn't that the back heel against like Augsburg or whoever yeah, that was? Yeah, I know. And everyone lost their shit because he like scored this like great back heel. Even a blind squirrel gets a nut, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, it went to halftime despite all that. Uh, zero to zero. Um, but. Luckily for us, the second half started out with a bang. Uh, in the 48th minute, we talked about all these midfielders and how we had two strikers, or two quote-unquote strikers, the Berkstaller and DeSanto. However, the two strikers are playing way out of position uh, from the 48th minute. Uh, Berkstaller, who was outside of the box at this point, finds DeSanto wide on the right wing, uh, who swung in across, which is, you know, went across the goal, uh, looked like it was going out, but Swat Surter jumped on it, saved it, he knocked it back into the net, and our boy was right there to clean up the rebound. Weston McKinney gets a second goal in back-to-back games. First goal in the Bundesliga, one nothing. Chalco right out of the right out of the blocks. He's on fire. He can't be stopped, Richard. He you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. Weston <laughs> McKinney just tearing up. <laughs> no, um, yeah. I mean, I love how DeSanto is like somewhat credited with the hockey assist on this thing, even though his cross was like awful and was going. You know, out of play, out of play, and it just was a great play from Suat Serdar to, to to get there in time and and not it back across goal. Um, I mean, perfect height. I mean, it was actually like a beautiful header. Um, right to Weston McKenney. It, it seemed like he was more of just like a pure reaction thing from him than something he really thought about. It was just kind of like you know waist high, and he's like, I'm just gonna swing my leg at this thing, and uh, got kicked in the, in the act too. Yeah, nice nice finish near post, and uh, yeah. Schalke with the lead. That doesn't happen that often for us, right? And no, and, yeah. and a goal in open play, which is yeah. a rarity as well. So um, as janky of a goal as that was, but we'll take it. We'll take it anyway. That's right. And it would not be the only open play goal we would have in this game. Uh, a few minutes later in the fifty-third, um Bentaleb trying to get in on the action, takes a shot from outside the box, long range. Uh Michel Rensing makes a save. But the rebound is sloppily put back into the middle of the box. Guido Burksell is there, pounces on it, gets the rebound. Boom, 2 nothing, just like that. Yeah, as you said, uh, Bentaleb, uh, hard kind of low-line drive from outside the box, working its way through, and it's, it's, tiki, uh, it's taking uh, uh, rinsing to his left, and it takes a wicked deflection and goes to the goalkeeper's right. Personally, I don't even know how he got a hand on that at all. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, it was a phenomenal save to even, I mean, some people you can criticize, I guess, that he kind of put it back into play. But I mean, 
to me, that was a phenomenal piece of goalkeeping. And it was really, honestly, it was Con Ian's fault of all people for sort of ball watching and not beating Bergstaller um, to the rebound. Um, but opportunistic piece of play from from Bergstaller there. Uh, it's a crossbar, like you know. I, I was nervous. To, goes yeah, back up. yeah, I was nervous there for a second. I was like, "Come on, man! Like you got a, we got an opportunity to ice this game here, get this two goal cushion, and uh, almost miss from point blank." But uh, yeah, good to see him on the board too. Because I mean, it's been a slow offensive season for the entire team. But um, you know, there's like there's a couple of these guys like you know Uten Bergstaller. We really need to get them going. And so is you know Bergstaller works hard. Game in, game out. That's one thing you could say about him. He's, yeah. He runs his ass off. So it was nice to see him rewarded for, you know, a, a hustle play, essentially. Um, but, you know, some good buildup. Um, Schalke getting wide. That was, I think, another play where um, it kind of ball played over the top. Weston McKenney, uh was actually making a lot of runs. Yeah. Um, part, of, part of the way through the second half, he actually kind of became like a number 10 yep. to some extent. Um and getting splitting DeSanto and Bergstar playing pretty pretty high up the pitch, um, and uh, a lot of times he was running past the strikers um, and, and trying to receive balls in the box and play them back and uh, did some damage from 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 there, which was which was nice to see. Was this more of something that Tedesco has noticed McKinney do this for the U.S. men's national team because he does this a lot with the U.S. men's national team is playing an attacking midfield role, um, and do we finally see that with Schalke and like you said he was creating opportunities. Getting in the box, uh, setting up plays. Uh, this was a much improved McKinney from the performances we've seen before because it had been very sloppy playing the midfield and not getting as many offensive opportunities as he, he did in this game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's something that Tedesco's like watched his limited U.S. men's national team appearances and decided to change his role based on that. But it's something we've been saying for a long time. I mean, I think Weston McKinney has a somewhat underrated um, offensive mind. I mean, he seemed, yeah. he, he has the attitude for it. He likes to make those make those runs, and you know he seems to kind of understand uh, positioning around the box uh, fairly well for somebody who's generally kind of touted as this this you know holding midfielder bulldog ball winner type guy. Um, yeah, and I mean he made a he made a lot of great runs forward, and you know had some some nice passing and some nice ideas up there. Um, and that's great to see if you can you can get some of those overlapping runs. You're gonna you're gonna open things up for. Um, you know the, the the strikers. It's far too often that they've been on. Uh, they've been the ones running after those long balls so far this season, and then you know they're just involved in all this hold up play, and they're not really getting an opportunity to uh, get on the end of anything. So that that was that was a welcome change. I don't know about you, but when it was two nothing, I dropped the mic and I was like, "This match is over." I just felt that confident. You know, one nothing. You never know what's going to happen, but at two nothing, I felt fairly confident uh, with how little Dusseldorf was uh, putting up against Schalke and. Just uh, having a, a, a two-goal lead for once, uh, I felt a, a breath of fresh air there. Yeah, first time this season. Um, definitely, it was, yeah, it was a strange feeling Yeah, to, to be, what, like a, an hour through the match and uh, not be worried about what, what the next goal was going to be, <laughs> I, you know, either making us lose or taking away a lead or something like that. So, yeah, it was definitely a strange position for us to be in this season, but uh, a rather enjoyable and relaxing one from the from the viewer perspective, definitely. Uh, not going to complain about that at all. It was, it was, it was great. Um, what did you make of uh, Mendiel in this one? Um... It was good. I mean, he 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 picked up the yellow early, and I thought we were gonna have another situation that we had in his first appearance. Yeah. Where he got pulled real quick, but they seemed to settle down after that. Um, well, also that that yellow was a soft yellow, yes, in my opinion. Yes, that was a very yes. very soft yellow. It, for those who didn't see it, it was you know 
a guy was trying to make a run down the sideline pass to be kind of jumped in front of him. There was some mild contact. I don't know if the guy was claiming that he got like an elbow to the face or something like that, but it was, he, he fell down pretty, pretty easily. I thought that was unfortunate, you know, especially cause as you said, he's had that yellow card trouble and he definitely didn't need one for a foul as soft as that. But I do think the rest of his performance was, I w- I'm mixed on him, man. I, I mean, I, here's the thing. I really like the idea of him. Um, I think he, he's he's obviously excellent on the ball. He's able to get forward with his pace um, and, and affect things, and I think that's very very valuable, particularly um, in a with a team selection like we had today, where we didn't have sort of those wingers that we typically have. Um, you know, you're not going to have Guido Burchard or Franco Santo causing a lot of damage. Um, you know, kind of off the shoulder and around the box. Uh, so that was, you know, an area of the pitch where guys like Caligari and Hamza Mendel can can get into with some regularity. Um, the thing for me with him was far too often he's able to create, you know, a yard of space for himself because he's so quick, and then he doesn't play the ball across. Yeah. He keeps trying to dribble, and he gets, you know, he gets crowded out around, you know, the end line. And loses possession or, you know, whatever. And uh, he's got kind of like Leroy Zane syndrome a little bit from, you know, Leroy Zane's early appearances where he just wants to take everybody on the dribble. And, you know, it works out for him sometimes, but there's so many opportunities where it's like, all right, man, you, you've done a good job. You've gotten yourself into a good position. You've received the ball. You've, you know, beaten the defender at least with the first couple steps to open yourself enough to whip something in. And he's, he's got to take advantage of that more often. I, I think there was far too many times where he had opportunities to, to play stuff into, uh, you know, the strikers in the box and, and just didn't take it and ended up, you know, f- fizzling out possessions. So that's something he's got to work on, in my opinion. I mean, I love the fact that we have a player on that side that can that can beat people. Bastian Ochipko isn't, you know, maybe beating people as often. Not that he can't play some great balls in, but he's not, you know, he's not that kind of player. So I like that dual threat. I like somebody who, um, you know, you, you have to guard against the pass, but you also have to guard against the dribble. It makes him that much more difficult to defend. But uh, yeah, he's got a be a little bit less ambitious, I think, sometimes and just make the safe option. And, you know, with how good we've been in the past last season off of, you know, those kind of things, like you would think that we'd have some guys that can knock him in. Um, so just just give him an opportunity. We, we've been struggling for – we've been starved for chances, like real good chances so much this season. Um, you know, those kind of things are all about volume for me, right? The more oh, balls yeah. you whip in from out there – um, you know, eventually someone's going to fall your way. I mean, not, not all of those are dealt with cleanly by the defender stuff bounces around sometimes. And you got guys like Bergstahl who are just, you know, consummate poachers who can find a way to scrap something out. So, yeah, it's, uh, I too had mixed feelings about him and it, it, he wasn't as noticeable. It didn't pop out as much as he did in other couple of brief, brief appearances he had. Um, and that's because like you said, he, he did try to take on guys too many times one-on-one instead of getting that cross and, um, he really needs to take a page out of like um, his counterpart on the right on the right back, Calagiri, who is omnipresent. It seems like uh, he's always going on the flank, uh, overlapping his his, his wingers, um, getting across and cutting, darting in, you know, taking shots. Um, he's like, oh, I I just wish you know guys on the left side would do em- emulate what he does on the right side because he's so important when he does that kind of when he plays like that. We, early in the season, he wasn't doing that. Shaka were hurting, and now that he's doing it, it seems that more opportunities are coming because of that. And hopefully, Mendel or whomever is in that left side will 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 do that. And Mendel has a, that skill set to be able to do that. Like you said, Ochipka is not the fastest guy in the world. He's he's technically gifted, but uh, doesn't have the pace or speed to be guys one on one. And uh, Mendel hopefully can 
bring some of that to uh, to the left side and uh, balance it out and make uh, Schalke even more potent. Um, yeah, it's, it's worth repeating once again that Mendel is just 20 years old, at least last time I checked. So um, he's, he's got some time to <laughs> he, he's got some time to figure to figure that out. You know? certainly, so certainly. yeah. Uh, earlier, since we were on an American American kick, uh, let's let's kick him back into that. Um, another American tried to equalize when Alfredo Morales uh, found a loose ball, unleashed a howitzer that Fairman somehow saved it. Uh, I don't know how he saw it or got a hand on it, uh, but he made a brilliant save that could have easily made it two to one at that point. It would have been game on, uh, but Fairman again with a big save as he does time in and time again. Love that two goal cushion though, because even then I wouldn't have been sweating, man. <laughs> Morales can knock in that goal from deep. We still got that one goal lead. So, yeah, it was yeah, it was a good effort, and uh, you know, Fairman once again on top of it. That's about as close of opportunities that Dawson Dorf would have in this one. Um, you know, Chalco two nothing. Look, the game was over. Caligiuri actually nearly had a goal later in the game, and uh, at the very end. But Rensing came up big again, make a save. Uh, Schalke, though, would win 2 0. Um, second win in a row, and second week in a row, I should say, or second game of the week that they won. Um, good stuff, good result. But can we take too much stock of, from this Dusseldorf win? No, it's, I mean, it's a team that we obviously should be beating. Um, so it's not like you can be too thrilled about it. But, you know, given the circumstances, it, it's a win we needed to pick up, and we did. Um, you know, three three wins on the bounce now. Uh, we really needed to to make some – to turn things around, and it seems like the team has done that to some extent. Um, yeah, I'm not going to draw massive conclusions from it. But, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, all, all the Schalke fans, all the doomsday Schalke fans who – after that five-loss uh, streak to start the season where, you know, oh, we're going to get relegated or we're going to be fighting relegation. It, you know, it, it, we talked about this on the podcast. Like, everyone calm down. Yeah, it's a bad start, but it, it's so early in the season. All it's taken now is, you know, two quick wins. We're out of, uh, we're out of the relegation fight. And, uh, I mean, not, I mean, we're still down to like 15th, but we're out of the relegation zone technically. And what are we, like three points off of eighth place? Yeah, exactly. That's like that's one match. We'll be in the top ten if we win again. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's the thing. So it, we're it's so early in the season that things can change so quickly. I mean, just look at Bayern Munich, right? They're down in sixth now. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. Obviously, not an ideal start to the season. Very worrying, especially because the performances were uh, looking as bad as you know the results were. Sometimes you, you have a bad streak, but there's a lot of things you can take away from it with how the team's playing. That wasn't the case for us, so I, I get that everyone was concerned. We were concerned as well, but um, yeah, I mean we're three points off of mid table. I mean we should be fine. It's, it's going to be more of a challenge to try to qualify for Europe because of the poor start that we've had. We have we have more ground to make up from those those very top table teams, but um, yeah, you know it, it's. It's. I think it's going to be all right. We'll, we'll be all right. After that goal outburst uh, by Schalke, I went to go look at the league leaders, and, and uh, sure enough, no Schalke players are still in the top 20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Schalke, like, as you said, gets six points now, are, are moving on up the table. Um, and unfortunately for us, there's a, an international break now, and hopefully this mojo isn't lost. But um, like you said, most important thing is Nobody get injured and come back healthy, come back uh, ready to keep going again because I think uh, they finally found something here. Yeah, well, Weston McKinney, uh got taken off late in this one with an injury again. Um, yes. and he had just recovered 
uh, a couple weeks earlier than anticipated from the injury he suffered at the hands of James Rodriguez in that in the Bayern match. Was it the same um, injury? I don't think it. W- no, it wasn't. I think because the the Bayern injury was like what, like a shin contusion or something. Yeah. Um. This one looked like uh, a calf injury. I think, if I remember correctly, it, it looked honestly it looked like a bad cramp more than anything. But, um. And he was fine after the game. He was walking around. He was doing a post match interview on the on, on the pitch, and he seemed like he was okay. But, um, he's been pulled from the U.S. call up that he had been slated for. Um, so he'll have a couple weeks to recover, which is, I guess, the positive spin for this international break. So he should be able to hop right back into the lineup when uh, Schalke returned to action. Was it that an interview with uh, NBC4 Nashville? <laughs> Pretty sure Nashville <laughs> was not in the house that on that occasion. We, though we cannot deny or confirm that for for sure right now, I think we can. I think we can confirm that. I think I'm pretty damn sure about that one, Richard. Oh man! Well, this is gonna since we don't have a pod. Oh, we don't have a game. I should say for a couple of weeks. Uh, I got a little break on the international, so we'll keep this one a little short. Um, anything else you want to hit on? Uh, Would you make of the the formation of you know four one three two? Um, I thought it did pretty well. I mean, DeSanto on the wing, I guess, worked in Berkshire outside of the box. But overall, I mean, the midfield, I like what the midfield is doing, uh, and Weston McKinney in particular, because he's getting in the box and looking for those opportunities. So um, what would you make of that? Yeah, it was it was interesting. And like I said, it shifted a number of times throughout this match. There was a couple times I couldn't even figure out what shape they were trying to go for, which maybe is like a disorganization thing or whatever. But um yeah, I mean, it worked out in this one, I guess. Uh, I would be surprised if that is a team sheet that you see too often, just because there's a lot of guys that they're gonna they gotta feed. You know, whether it's kind of Pianka, Shup, Marku, you know, um, Toykert, guys like that. Um, you know, they need to probably play systems that have more of those winger roles available than what we went out with against Dusseldorf. But uh, you know, for a one-off match, it you know interesting wrinkle from Tedesco and it seemed to pay off. Maybe we'll see it again in the future. I, I, I am starting to like McKinney and Serdar out there together. They seem to be building a rapport and, and feeding off each other. So he was they, a little bit better in this. We had talked yeah. previously about how I thought he was kind of anonymous. The first yeah. couple of appearances, like I just didn't even really notice him. Um, yeah, I thought he, I thought he had a better, better game today. I, I definitely took note of, and part of that was just cause you know, the assist, but, um, yeah, I was I was a little bit more confident of his involvement in this past one. Nabil Bentaleb is uh he's been having a good season quietly so far this season. It's getting better and better. Um, it almost seems like he belongs out there in the midfield with that starting eleven because uh, he's he's contributing both offensively and defensively. Um, as we saw, he he assisted on that uh, second goal with that long range shot that uh, Rensing couldn't couldn't handle. He's been taking some people on on the dribble. Yeah. Recently too, which is not Confidence something he normally Yeah, not something he normally does. Usually he's one of those guys that kind of, you know, the one touch passing game, he receives it or he just kinda looks around and plays off somebody else. He's actually tried to he's got some handles that he's showing off recently. I love to see that, you know, getting past somebody and that always opens things up for you know, your teammates that are making runs and that. So uh yeah, good to see from Ben. So a couple good performances from him. He's not just a penalty kick taker, folks. He has some other tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, right he's on. got that Kevin Prince Boateng syndrome with the long shots, but you know, every once in a while you just got to hit one. Things happen, like like it did in this one. Yeah, occasionally has the personality of Kevin Prince Boateng too. <laughs> <laughs> Not as bad though. Uh, well, Schalke fans, 
how did you feel about uh, our two games against Lokomotiv and uh, Dusseldorf? Did you think we had a good display? Let us know at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. Well, on that note, um, it's going to be a short one on this one, Jack. Um, we want to thank Shaka, Fox Soccer, Bundesliga.com, of course, NBC4 Nashville, and the Tampa Bay Times for providing us <laughs> tidbits for our podcast today. Uh, to my co-host, Jack, where can our followers find you on Twitter? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still trying to recover from these sources that we're going with. This, uh, unbelievable. Uh, J.M. Mangan on Twitter, J.M. M-A-N-G-A-N. Uh, to the extent that I retweet things, I'll try to retweet them from uh, better soccer sources than what Richard's coming up with this one. But, um, hey, you know what? Did the, did the job today. That's right. It's all about the W in this one. <laughs> Once again, I am your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoot. Sure.